Keeping It Together podcast. I am one of your hosts, Alyssa, and thanks for tuning in today. Today is episode 50. Uh, normally, we'd be kicking this off as a sex episode, but today we have decided to kind of take the podcast into a different direction. For the next couple episodes, we're going to be doing a self-care segment for the next 10 episodes, and I'm super, super excited about it. Today, unfortunately, Sabrina is not with me. Um, it's a little heartbreaking as to why, and I have a guest host with me as well, but before I bring her in, I do want to kind of talk about what's been going on uh, about a week ago on May 26, we lost an incredibly important member to the Keeping It Together family. Sabrina's brother, Zach Glunt, passed away. Um, and it's been, it's been pretty difficult for all of us. I know Sabrina especially really wanted to be here, um, but she's been with her family, taking care of her family, really kind of going through the process of everything going on. So she could not be with me today to record, but as they say in show business, the show must go on. So today's episode and probably for a long time, is going to be dedicated to Zach. He supported our show from the very beginning. He was one of the very first people that listened to one of our really janky episodes, episode one, when we said welcome to our lives. And he was the very first person to give us feedback on the show. And a lot of kind of what we built has been around his um, his help and his support. Um, we miss you, Zach. We love you. And we hope you are without pain. Uh, in a place filled with love and happiness and that you are seeing and doing everything you ever wanted to do in this life out there. Um, and and so we're, we're going to continue talking about a lot of these different issues in the next couple episodes. Um, but to bring things on a happier note, I am super excited to have a guest host with me. This is the very first time we have done a co-host that is not Sabrina. This is so different. You've been a part of my life for God knows how long, since I was like five or six years old. Welcome to the show, Aubrey. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having I'm me. I'm so excited you're here. I've talked about you so many times on the show, just like, hey, Aubrey, I hear you listening. I hear the shout outs. I am a, I am a faithful listener every episode, and, um, and we I'm, love that you're here. I'm so excited to be here. This is such a, a different type of episode. I, I mentioned I've never had a co-host before other than Sabrina, so it's so different to do this with you, but it's such a cool experience. It's going to be great. It's going to be really great. I'm really excited to talk about all these different things with you. Um, <clears throat> kind of going on the note of, of self-care, we've and we've known each other for a very long time. A long time. Your mom, I've mentioned it too many times, <laughs> has been my figure skating coach, yes. and we've known each other through figure skating for years. Yes, we grew up together. How many years have you... Were you figure skating actively? Well, I started when I was four and officially, I guess, retired around 25. So okay. about 21 years, really, really active in the sport. I think I'm pretty much around the same. I started when I was four and really retired at 23. Yeah. Because that's ancient in skating. That's when Age. you're super, super You're old. like an old lady. At and I'm point. still trying to skate and I'm looking at it as like I'm an old lady trying to go around the ice with these youngins. Yep. With these like 13 year olds whipping off a, a triple axle at this point. It comes full circle comes all f- too quickly. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, how can they do that? How did I even jump at that age? Yeah. It's really easy to forget that like 10 years ago that was you and you know. I know. We, we used to get mad when like the, the old ladies wouldn't get out of our way on the rink. And so. then when we got older we were like, where are all these little kids going? I need my space. 
yeah to do my spin to do my jump exactly and we would used to wear the orange vest to do our program get out the way Oh, that was old school. The orange vest. <laughs> we looked like construction workers out there. Or like the so orange bad. ties. Well, that was when we didn't want to wear the vest because we became too cool to wear the vest oh, the way yeah. it was designed to be worn. So then we started just tying it around our waist like a little oh sash God. situation. That was like the best way. And I remember coaches being like, just wear the damn vest. No. Be reflective. And We're I'm like, too cool I don't want to be that. That's not what I want to do. Yeah. It, it was so crazy to me that that was like a whole point of like wanting to not wear a certain clothes uh to not be noticed when we're in a sport that is all about being noticed it is absolutely it's watch me and watch me now Mm -hmm. and it's such a pivotal uh moment when we're that young to have all eyes on us and that's really why i wanted to bring you on and, and talk about a lot of this is because there are a lot of different ideas and themes when it comes to body image and love for ourselves mm-hmm. uh physically and emotionally that that come with the sport it is it's a it's a layered situation i think is how i will phrase it mm-hmm. um you know i grew up just loving to skate you know so as i progressed through the sport and got older you start becoming more and more aware that there are other things that can kind of get in between you mm-hmm. and the sport or the activity that you fall in love with as a kid and yeah. want to, you know, spend so much time doing. And body image is a huge aspect of that. I think figure skating oh my gosh, is yeah. super similar to, you know, dance or gymnastics where our body is our tool. Mm-hmm. So if that is not an optimum working order, right. then it makes our job harder is, yeah. is very much how it you know, is ingrained in us at an early age. Yeah. It's not just making the job harder. It makes the practice element harder. Like even take away the whole competition aspect, right? Because all that we're doing in skating is working up to that moment when the judge's eyes are on us, the audience's eyes are on us. If we don't have that image in our head that we are good and that we are whole and that we are graceful in practice, we're not going to exhibit that in competition. No, you have to be the first one to believe it. I think that goes without saying, and it applies to other things in life as well. If you don't believe what you're trying to tell somebody, they're not going to believe it. You know, whether it's sales or or whatever realm you walk into throughout your life, you really have to believe in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise it's, People are going to look at that and they're going to say, are you sure? I'm not sure if she really feels like super confident about that. The confidence element to it. Exactly. Confidence is supposed to be sexy, but it is one of the hardest things to attain in life. It is. And also asking a young kid, you know, we both started around four, right? Yeah. And asking a four or five, six, seven, eight-year-old to have the confidence to walk into any venue, let alone a really big sheet of ice Mm -hmm. and a large building that you could hear a pin drop in with an echo. Oh my God. That was the worst feeling. It's it's intimidating. And it's a lot to ask any young person to go into a space like that and be commanding. I think when you're young though, like from four to seven, that kid mentality is there and you can kind of be confident and not really care. But as soon as you hit the moment of like preteen teenager, that's when it becomes super, super difficult because you're going through puberty. You are going through the emotional changes of what's happening to my body. There's acne in places. There would never be (laughs) acne. And as a female, you're getting your breasts. You're going through your very first period. Yeah. And for guys, they're going through, why does my voice sound different? Why am I getting really tall and lanky and all of a sudden I can't jump or I can't move on the ice well? 
And why do I have back knee and I'm wearing a shirt that doesn't have a back to it? Yeah. Yeah. There's a shift. I will say, like you pointed out, you know, when you're younger, um, I think you kind of innately feel like, of course I can do this. I, right. I'm a kid. I can do anything I want to do. And when you get into that preteen kind of phase, you start, I think, listening more to the noise around you, mm-hmm. which is where those doubts and those questions come into play. Um, and yeah, I mean, as you develop, like you brought up like getting breasts and puberty and how that all works. Um, and in skating, there are a lot of girls that I skated with that hated that, right? Because it was, it wasn't, I'm becoming a woman. It was, my body is producing things that are going to make rotation harder. It's physics, right? So you hate it on some level. I remember trying to do things to reverse puberty right they would tell you oh if you drink a lot of coffee when you're younger you'll stunt your growth that's well I drink coffee from like four on and so yeah I didn't stunt my growth no me either I grew plenty it did (laughs) nothing for me we were always kind of the taller skaters it made jumping a lot harder yeah it made sit spins a lot harder. Absolutely. Still we have hate a, those we to have this a day. We have center of gravity. Yes. And I mean, I'm 5'6". You're not, you're pretty close I'm to that. Like, I'm like 5'7 and a half yeah. on a good day. It's not a, t- that's not <laughs> really that tall, but you know, skaters, like an, a perfect skater, somebody who's like 5'2 and a size one, they have a low yeah. center of gravity. They have a very small, you know, body mass. Right. And, and not only are we going through these changes that are very normal, we're also putting our bodies through a lot of other things in the world of skating to fit this mold, which, right? Which are completely abnormal. Like all the different diets yep. and training exercises. Yeah. I mean, I, I I was homeschooled for a lot of my growing up specifically because my training and a normal school day schedule were, they wouldn't work together. Right. And schools were, were very reluctant to be flexible and work with us. And so at some point there was a fork in the road, you know? So that was like a sacrifice I gave up. I didn't, I didn't go to prom or do all those like fun, normal, like Mm -hmm. school type things that a lot of kids my age did because there was a larger goal. Mm -hmm. Right. There was always an end game, but because the end game didn't fit within the normal confines, quote unquote, of society, we did what we could to get around that. And sometimes that meant leaving what was considered a normal life and normal childhood to get the gold Yep, and to get on that podium. Yep. We did it. Yeah, for sure. I remember my mom had keys to the rink. My mom solely became the president of the figure skating club and was very active in the figure skating club. So she could open the rink for me and I could get on the ice at five in the morning. Yeah. I would leave. I would get up at four in the morning when I was like 10 or 11 years old Actually, really started when I was about nine years old. And I would bring my school clothes with me and I would go to the rink. I would be there from 5 a.m. to 6.30 and I would get dressed and go to school because school was at 7.30 and I would do my day at school and then I would have my coaches pick me up from school and come back to the rink. 3 p.m. and then I'd be back on the ice by 3.45 and I would not be off that ice until 5.45, 6 o'clock. And then my mom would meet me at the rink. She'd pick me up and I'd go home. I'd do my schoolwork. Yep. And then the cycle would start again. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it, it's no joke in what it takes and what you put into 
becoming an elite level athlete in any sport, whether it's skating or any other sport you want to pick. Yeah. Anybody who is at an elite level, there have been massive sacrifices. Right. And some of those create amazing opportunities for mm-hmm. that person. And other other ones can be a little trickier, you know, right. and what the lasting impact of that is. Right. It, it's tough because we were skaters who were very dedicated and, and very good at what we did. In, if we do say so ourselves. If we if I do say so myself, <laughs> you know, I was very good at dressing up in ridiculous outfits. I've talked about it many times on the show and putting on a performance. And so were you. You were on Disney on Ice. I was. I was. Let's it talk was. about that for a second. <laughs> you were a fucking fish. I was a fish. Yes. I um I was with the Finding Nemo tour for mm-hmm. a while and traveled all around Europe swimming across many a country (laughs) swimming Um, all over europe (laughs) just kept swimming there um yeah it was it was a great experience um for me my love of skating the older i got really fell in performing for an audience i got less interested in the fancy tricks those were always exciting um but for me the thing that was lasting was connecting with an audience as a performer that high if for lack of a better term was mm-hmm. like nothing else I had experienced. So there was, that was really the thing that kept me in the sport um, and pushed me to go on tour and join a company yeah. like that. And it, it was an incredible experience. I learned a ton. I made friends for a lifetime um, from all over the world, you mm-hmm. know, cause it was a company that recruited from Russia and China and, you yeah. know, got together a cast and crew of about 50 people to put on a show. And we were all brought together from different backgrounds and different life experiences. But we yeah. all had that one thing in common. And that was skating or a mm-hmm. love of the performing arts. There was one thing that kind of brought everybody together. And that's a really tough thing in our sport is you either have people like you and I who are about bringing a performance to an audience or you have others who want, who are probably doing well in the sport bringing a performance to judges. And they are two very, very different worlds. Very different. Very different. And it's what makes my view of professional skaters so different than others. Like there are skaters, Ashley Wagner, for example. We talk about her all the time. I love her. Absolutely love her because she in my opinion, doesn't give two shits what the judges thinks. She cares what people think. You took the words out of my mouth. She doesn't so care. Does, so does Adam uh, Rapon. Adam Rapon. You know, it's it's refreshing to see people say, I'm not going to conform to authority right. in whatever venue that may be in. Yeah. Um, those two skaters are great examples of that. They're phenomenal who people who just really want to give the audience an experience. Absolutely. And I think that's why Adam's had such traction. Um, so is Ashley. And Ashley as well. She's, but They both have always gotten shit from judges throughout their skating career. Well, and there's a long list of skaters that we could add to that list. And that's a commentary on the sport as a whole. Oh my as God, well. yes. That there, are, there have been certain skaters just throughout our lifetimes that played the game a little differently. And because it's a... From the outside in, it appears to be like a very cookie cutter type of sport Mm -hmm. where you have to look a certain way and play the game a certain way. Anybody who didn't do that automatically kind of went on this like unspoken about list of like, yeah, watch out for those guys. Well, you know, what's interesting. A lot of people don't know that there's two governing bodies in figure skating. You have what people see on TV, USFSA, the United States Figure Skating Association, and those skaters who compete extremely heavily in that 
are usually the ones people actually see in the Olympics, for example. Correct. And traveling the world in the Grand Prix. They're going on to nationals. They're going on to all the qualifiers. Absolutely. They're nobody, on all the circuits. Nobody knows about the best aspect in my favorite governing body, ISI. Absolutely. The International Skating Institute, yeah. which kind of says, fuck this rule book. It does. And it still has the technical elements to it. There are different levels that you still have to test up to and different jumps and spins you need to get to. But the biggest thing they are about are the edges mm-hmm. and your performance element. Yes. And, it- and also I think ISI emphasizes success and growth on a personal level much more than USFSA does. Um, 100%. ISI... I mean, when I was little, it was actually ISIA. I remember that. Yes, yeah. it was It was the uh, Ice Skating Institute of America. Yes. Right? Because we were just in the U.S. at that point. Yep. I'm dating myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it wasn't until kind of a lot of other countries saw this problem of judges and coaches beating down on us to get technical moves, technical elements, and really losing that performance element of why people were skating to create this whole different area and took it international. Because when I started skating, I was a part of both. And I was just when ISIA was becoming ISIA. And they were switching, yes. And they were doing the switch. So I got to see the transition, but I never saw what it really was before. And I was kind of taken down this path of USFSA is the way to go. So here's what you want to do. And I remember I had a coach, Diane, I talk about her all the time, um, who was like, I want you to do whatever you want to do. And if you want to go out there and do a performance, let's go do it and say, fuck this rule book. I'm still going to train you by it because there are pivotal moves and pivotal elements to it. But I don't want you to be confined to one set of rules. Exactly. And I actually had like a reverse um, experience with it. I started skating strictly in ISI. um, And there are some different rules and regulations. They also uh, cap an age on any given group of competition. So you won't have a nine-year-old competing against a 16-year-old if they're in the same level. So there's there's rules in place there where they, they want it to be a successful experience for everyone involved um not without competition but, of course but not so harsh it's right? a more healthy version of competition it is it's 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 a fair thing to say that an eight-year-old should not be compared to a 16 year old exactly that is a fair rule and regulation but unfortunately it is not the more monetized area of figure skating no no it doesn't um it doesn't get the ratings obviously and at the end of the day i think you know what mainstream skating is it's what you're going to see on on TV, what's going to get that airtime, right. and um, and yeah, it's on some ways for somebody who maybe isn't involved in the sport, it's a little less thrilling to watch. Um, but as far as what it's instilling in the actual person, I think it's much more healthy, um, and it's it's a great organization. I do too. It is way more healthy, and it's why I gravitated more towards it. I mean, before this, we were talking about our horror stories <laughs> in the sport, and yeah. a lot of it came from trying to fit in the usfsa mold of being that skater because everybody's end goal end game was get to nationals to qualify for the olympics of course you would talk to every young skater at like eight or nine years old and if they didn't have their doubles you were out yeah you you had already missed your window i missed my window and i just said whatever and that was my thing. I'm like, I don't want to go to the Olympics. I want to skate to skate. But there weren't a lot of skaters like me. Because you fell back on 
the root of it, which was your love of skating and your right. love of performing. And I think when a lot of rules and a lot of judgment um, and maybe some, you know, traumatic experiences over the years uh, pile up. Yeah. It's really easy for somebody to lose sight of that initial love. Exactly. Right. I mean, I also wasn't a very typical skater. I was a very overweight kid. I wouldn't say you weren't super typical. I think you were very typical. I think... In terms of of physical appearances. I think that you stayed in the sport longer than a lot of kids that were maybe built like you were. Oh, yeah. But that's because you were stronger, right? And it's just more of a commentary to say, I think there are a lot of kids that may not have the the size body that the you know society says you should have in right. skating um and they might have tried it and might have thought I don't fit in here I remember telling kids when I was younger I was a figure skater and they would laugh at me and they'd be like no 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 but what do you really do and I'm like no I figure skate no, I'm a skater five days a week I compete on a bi-monthly basis yeah and I'm in this different area that you guys don't really see but because you at that time you lived in Florida right right and you you didn't look like Tara Lipinski on the Wheaties box exactly I wasn't this cookie cutter skater but I skated to skate yes and I threw the rule book out and went into ISI and would do all these crazy competitions of being Woody Woodpecker and being an ice cream sundae one of my favorites the ice cream sundae or Woody Woodpecker Woody the Woodpecker Woody the Woodpecker goes down in history everybody says though was one of my better performances other than the uh, Mambo number no. five with a goofy life size. Also doll. very good. Also great. But Woody the Woodpecker, I will never forget. We went to Colorado for a competition. Went to nationals with that. Yes. From Florida. We had a group of girls and Miss Alyssa here with her <laughs> uh PVC tree oh, yeah. that Woody the Woodpecker came out of. And it had branches and it had moss. All I'm going to say is us in the airport was a very interesting <laughs> photograph there oh with all God. of our props trying to check them on planes. It was just nonsense. Well, like people thought we were crazy. The best part was coming when we got into Colorado, we wanted to make sure all the pieces were there. So yes. we set up the tree in the airport. As you do. And everybody would just kind of come over and was like, what's going on here? I'm like, oh, it's my tree. But you didn't have your costume on. No. So they were a bit confused at that point. There was a lot of confusion. I was like, yeah, I skate with this tree. I put my head in it. Yeah. I dance. I shake my ass a little bit. They probably thought it was like a new sport they had never heard of. They're like, because people don't know that side of skating, right? Right. That there's all these other options that are so much more like character performance driven. Um, Yeah. There's a whole other world besides the triple axles and the quads that we see on tv it's a world where you can express yourself more and kind of love who you are more because i personally got tired of being beaten down telling being told by multiple judges and coaches i was never skinny enough i was never good enough yeah and that i would never be what a typical skater was it's the whole square peg round hole thing right exactly like a lot of us i think don't fit in to that very narrow idea that people have in their head of yeah. what what a figure skater is um and more power to you in fact you Ugh. you realized it early on which was which was a lot so of smart don't they don't realize it and they spend their the rest of their like you know life skating trying to change themselves to fit into that and that's mm-hmm. not what it should be about right this should be something that helps us discover who we are helps us grow our self-confidence um you know the biggest plus I've ever said about skating is that it's given me a it it instilled hard work from a very early early age 
um, determination, right? Like you don't learn these jumps and these spins without doing them hundreds and hundreds of times Oh my God, and yeah. falling hundreds and hundreds of times. So, you know, that's a great life lesson for anybody to be able to learn, right? Like if at first you don't 100%. succeed, you, you keep working on it. You and keep if, going until you get it. And if you work hard enough, you'll get it. Exactly. It took me four years to get an axle. Yeah. An axle is one of the more tougher jumps in skating because it's not a very typical jump you start forward and you end backwards it's the only one like it only one like it in a double axle even tougher because an axle in and of itself a single axle is one and a half rotations in the air where every other jump is either one two or three it's that half that gets you that fucking half that turn fucking half i'll tell you <laughs> i still get frustrated <laughs> to this day but because I dedicated myself for those four years, it really taught me dedication. But along the way and along the process, I was a pretty messed up person. It does. It takes a toll. It really messes you up mentally because you're like, what can't I do that makes what, – what, what is wrong with this person that can't get this jump when so many other people get it? Yeah. Were there ever any moments in skating for you where that kind of pivotal moment happened where it's like, what is so difficult for me – that I can't get this, but everybody else can get it. You know, with me, and we were talking a little bit of earlier about this, was I was I was a good jumper. I, I was an okay spinner, and I was a pretty all-around decent skater. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was never the best jumper, mm-hmm. right? There was always kids out there that had bigger and faster jumps than Jumping I did. Jumping is tough. It is. I loved it. We're I going mean, against the laws of gravity. Very true. <laughs> we are. I mean, we're going against science and trying to literally put ourselves in motion yeah. in a very unnatural way. Yeah, and you're, you know, you're all you're trying to use physics to your benefit because it really all is physics at the yep. end of the day. So you know, science, yay. Um, but still, but yeah, you know, the the thing for me is I just realized that I wasn't going to be that person that was the best jumper or the best spinner and it didn't sting any less I still struggled with that on like an emotional level because as you're growing up and you're developing like of course you want to find where you fit in and or or I'm good at that right like Mm -hmm. it's important for us to find things in life that we think we're good at that's that's good for our self-esteem as well right um but it it wasn't until I worked with a really really wonderful choreographer um in Colorado Springs, I actually had a group of them, uh, some big name choreographers. Chris, uh, Christine from Torval and Dean was one of them. Wow. Um, Tom Dixon and Katarina Gordy, uh, and his Tom wife, Katarina Dixon. Yeah. I mean, we had a great team. This was when Kathy Casey was still at the Olympic training center in Colorado Springs. So it was kind yeah. of the be all and the end all. And I remember that season, there was a moment working with Chris on a program And just working with him, I saw how he was taking what I was already good at Mm -hmm. and how he was highlighting that. Mm -hmm. And as he continued to work this piece with me, my anxiety about not being the best jumper and not being, you know, maybe the best spinner, Mm -hmm. it lessened. And I could feel this pressure kind of coming off of, of my shoulders and knowing that, okay, this is my strength. I'm a performer, Yep. right? I'm always going to love to jump. Yeah. Always have, always will. But- a good choreographer like really can change somebody's life on oh, a, yeah. on a performance level because a good choreographer will come in and instead of trying to to fit that square peg in a round hole, yep. they're going to say, "What peg do I have? Let me create a hole that fits that." Because you can always have a really really good technical skater, and I see this to the day. 
where you have a skater who hits every jump, hits every spin, but they can't connect the pieces. Yeah, they're my least favorite to watch. I know. It's really frustrating when I see somebody go out and, like, you know, nail, like, seven triples in a long program and skate flawlessly, and I'm sitting on, you know, a couch at home, and I feel nothing inside. Like, my soul is just still so empty. Their (laughs) arms are so straight, you're like, they're going to break. Yeah. They're going to break at some point. I think we learn this as we as we get older, though, that it is, it is not the perfection. Right. It is the imperfections and things that are beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, my favorite choreographer was Bob Fosse and mm. been loving the uh, oh. the special right now about his Fosse life. On. But but really to sum up his work, you know, he, he turned he was his stature and the way he had his dancers move everything came from something he wasn't good at. Right. He he didn't have natural turnout like a dancer should. So you'll see it, his his dancers have a lot of like pronated knees and toes facing in type stances and I I really dove into Bob Fosse's work when I was like 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, this is brilliant. Somebody is taking the things that they really are not good at that should make them a bad dancer in yeah. in a world of that and he has created an entire style out of it yeah you know but there's not a lot of people like him out there there's it, not a lot of people that brave one of the toughest things is learning how to deal with our imperfections and for me as a kid when you're constantly being told you're not good enough at such an early age and then you're being told by kind of this older audience, sometimes it doesn't really resonate. But then when you're being told you're not good enough by your peers and then you combine it with being told enough by your elders that you're not good enough either, it's pretty damaging and it can create a ton of issues. And you have kind of a couple paths ahead of you. You can kind of go down that path of I'm not good enough and really fall into a deep, dark cycle. Mm -hmm. Or you can go down another path of, okay, these people don't think I'm good enough, but somebody will think I'm good enough one day. And that's what really matters. But it takes a long time to get to that road. And it takes a long time of constantly being told you're not good enough before you have that pivotal moment of somebody one day is going to think I'm good enough. It you're a hundred percent right. Um, yeah, there is there is a huge toll. I mean, we started in the sport so young. And I mean, everything from you know, our media, there's other instances of it. Dance Moms, I think, is a great, you know, that, oh, that I whole... I hate that show, but I love that show. I love Hate It, too. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. But you're you're asking somebody so young to to become larger than life in whatever performance venue that they're in. And then that's judged, right? And I remember just having a breakdown, like I must have been six or seven and had a bad competition and got some harsh feedback, you know. Um, and this was actually when I was switching from ISI more into the USFSA. Naturally. And it was a big That's transition. Usually how it I went from kick and butt at pretty much every competition I went to. Oh, yeah. To like getting 16th out of 20. Yeah. And first off, I had never been in a group with 20 kids. Yep. You know, that wasn't a thing in ISI. And and so it was a real rude awakening. Um, but yeah, I think when we put put children in a position to be judged... Um, it's very hard for them to separate I'm being judged as an individual or I'm being judged as the skater, right? right? So that was the key, and I didn't figure this out until I was much older. Of course. But that's the key, really, is 
skating is one thing. I have a skater personality. Yep. Right. And then I have the real Aubrey or the real Alyssa, right? That like when you, you pack the skates up and you go home and you hang out with your family at night, that's not the same person. Right. And that's also not what's being critiqued on the performance level. But at seven, eight, nine, you're not smart enough to separate those two things. I think what's also tough is when your parents and your support system also bring it home. My mom always did a great job of separating it. We would only ever talk about skating if I brought it up. Well, that's amazing. Which would be really, really tough. And there would be very few times when she would bring it up because she would see I would be on the ice at practice and she'd sit with the other moms and she'd see I get frustrated and the other moms would make a comment to her and she'd be like, you know what? She's frustrated. I'm going to let her take it out here but I'm not going to talk to her about it at home. And the other moms would be like, why? Good job, Robin. That's all I'm going to say. She did a really, really good job with that of learning how to separate it. Like there'd be times when, especially when I was younger, she would kind of bribe me to get better with a jump or a spin. Oh, I think all of our parents did that. She would bribe me with clothes. Smart woman. Okay, good work. She would bribe me with clothes. She'd be like, if you land your axle or you get your flying camel or you pass a moves test, we're going to go out and we're going to do something you really enjoy outside of skating. And we're going to go and celebrate that victory. And so it pushed me a little bit harder to the point where it it would still be separated at home, but there was still a point where skating was in my home life, but in a really positive outlet. And a lot of kids don't get that. A lot of kids have the crazy moms that do bring it home. Yeah. Do you remember that skater? Yes, I do. I already already know. (laughs) I already know. And I feel bad even saying names, but maybe we shouldn't on this one. We won't say her name, but we know exactly who we're talking about. Yes, we do. Um, Yeah. There was a, a mom that had a daughter who skated originally was skating at a different rink in our area. Keep in mind this kid, she was not a bad kid. She She was was a great kid, very wholesome. But when her mom would chirp in her ear, she'd become a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, what is the saying? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Like exactly. The kids take on a lot of what the household or their, you know, immediate, especially when we're that young. Oh, absolutely. But yes, I do remember this woman and there was a day, I mean, we all saw how much screaming across the ice there was, Yep. how many times this poor girl would just break down in tears, how many times the mom would grab her arm and race into the bathroom and grab her hair. I mean, just awful stuff. She'd be reaching over the boards. Yeah. And we watched this. I remember watching it and being like 15, 16, and there was years had passed. I hadn't seen them. I don't know if I've even told you about this, but I I went back to our rink. This was years ago, but the uh, little girl had grown up was probably, you know, 11 or 12 at this point because she was really little when it first started. She was like five or six years old. She was just a teeny tiny little thing, and we all felt bad for her, and... um, And yeah, and I was watching this mom's behavior, again, very similar to what we'd watched for years um, in the past. And finally, I had had enough. I I have had abusive coaches in the sport. I have lived that. I have overcome that. We literally were talking about coaches who would yell at us, just throw things at us, hit us, kick us, literally kick us down, yeah. make us run around a rink until we would throw up because that's happened to me. Oh yeah, for sure. Never forget that choreographer. But, but all of that, you know, I mean, we've lived that and I guess I had had a, enough growing up time to be able to come into yep. this rink on that day. And I watched what was happening and I went to our general manager and I said, either you're going to call child protective services or I am. 
good. You decide, but somebody Damn. has to say something. But it's sad that it took, I think I was about 21, 22 at that point. It took a 22-year-old when adult after adult after adult at many different ranks yep. throughout our local area in Southwest Florida. She wasn't allowed at our rink. No, the, I mean, but does that solve the problem? Do of you, course do not. Do you ask a, an abusive parent to leave because they're being abusive or do you say that's not allowed? Right. It, it's kind of this morality case too. And I think a lot of people were really afraid of her. Be, if we really come down to it, um, she was well, it's really... it's not stable behavior, right? It's not stable behavior. And you're like, do I really want to involve myself in that? Do I really want to be that person? Of but course, also, right? we had... In figure skating too, a lot of people don't know this. You have to be a part of a quote-unquote club. You do. Every rink has a different club. Well, you don't have to. You can you can compete as an independent member of USFSA. Yeah, but, but the reason people don't do that... Exactly. ...is because if you are part of a very reputable skating club judges will take you more seriously and it's unfortunate but back in the old days that was the case that was always the case but the good thing about a club if we even take out the competition aspect there is a community yeah absolutely. my mom loved the club and she loved kind of all the other moms that grew up our moms Lindsay, Allie, so many incredible women and incredible moms who just rallied behind their kids and really showed support and so when this woman was kind of going and treating her child like that they wouldn't have any of it they were they completely banned her from the club of course the only reason she was allowed her child was allowed in the rink is because she was skating with a really reputable coach who we all loved of course and she went between multiple coaches and it finally got to a point where the coach who we all loved was now getting abused. And that's unfortunately what it took to ban this woman. And unfortunately, the child got brought into it. And I still worry about her to this day. Oh, of course. I mean, you know, you and I, I think, had relatively positive experiences in skating on the scale of things, right? Like we we had very supportive um, parents. Most of our coaches were really, really really good. I had a a couple, you know, coaches who were not great. Um, and did some damage, but we had pretty, a pretty good experience. And we came out of all the negative shit too. But it also like, I'm going to, I'll be real with you. I've spent a lot of years in therapy working through a lot of the stuff. That I still do. Of course. I was talking to you about this earlier today, the ogre comment. Yes. I'll even say it here. It still is something like it takes a lot of courage for me to wear the color green. Now I'm wearing it in Aww. shorts only because it's not in my like upper body, but when I was 10 years old, I wanted to skate to the Shrek soundtrack. I don't know what it was. I do. But I really loved the instrumental music behind it. Was it was great music. It and was it was a great movie. It was very uplifting. And I loved the song. It was a great I'm a pick. Believer by Smash Mouth. Yes. And I told my coach this and she goes, I love this. We're going to do it. And I had this beautiful green dress beautifully stoned my mom and her stoned it together Mm -hmm. i had this really cool piece where the music started instrumentally and it was kind of this like coming of age piece and i remember i had just lost a bunch of weight at 10 years old because at nine i thought i was really really heavy but it was this really cool coming of age piece for me and i was 10 years old thinking this is going to be my moment this is going to be my moment in skating where i get to show myself transformation exactly like fiona Exactly, like Fiona. Yeah. And when I came off the ice, the girl who was coming after me was like, 
oh, I can probably take her out. She looks like an ogre. And her coach goes, yeah, she is. Don't even worry about it. You're way skinnier than her and you're way prettier. And my coach would not have any of it. And it's why I have so much respect for her to this day because a lot of coaches would never defend me the way she did. She looked at me and she said, don't you ever say anything about my kid or any of these other kids out here looking like an ogre because if anybody looks like an ogre, it's you. That's the way every coach should operate. And we got this girl disqualified for unsportsmanlike conduct, which is extremely hard to do in skating. It's very rare as well that somebody will will speak out and insist that some some action happens, yeah, as uh, she should have. And the crazy thing is my mom doesn't know about this story because we kept it between us. And I remember like... there was actually film against it. There was a guy we all knew him. He was a a phenomenal videographer and he would video all the competitions in the Southwood Florida area. And he would do all these behind the scenes footage. And he actually caught that moment on camera. And my coach turned to him and said, give me that footage and went over to the judges after the whole event was done and said, I would like to present a piece of footage of unsportsmanlike conduct against my skater. Yeah. And she got disqualified and I actually never heard of her in the figure skating community again. I remember the next competition I went to, she wasn't on the list and I don't really know anything that happened to her, but it's a moment in my life where it took a long time for me to wear that color again, because I had in my head, I'm ugly, I'm Mm -hmm. fat, I look like a piece of lard and it's taken a lot just for that one color for me to become comfortable with again uh, and to not think of myself so negatively. It's the little things, you know, like the color green, right? Like we, we internalize hurtful comments like that. And sometimes I think they, they find a safe little corner of our brain to hide in. Right. And for you, that just was the color, right? Like over the years past and the initial sting of it kind of wore off. I've only started wearing it again because I'm just kind of saying, fuck it. Why do I care about a comment that was made 14 years ago? Yeah where I don't even know what this girl's doing. I wouldn't, I've never seen her again or her coach. Yeah. And she did get what she was coming to her by getting disqualified from sportsmanlike conduct. But why did I let it sit with me so long? Because you're human. Exactly. You're human. And when people are mean, it's hurtful. It's so and, hurtful, especially and, when you're that age. Oh, of course. Because, you know, you, you're still trying to figure out who you are and how, yeah. you, how you fit into this world. Um, and yeah, like I had a... I had a, luckily not a, not a competitor. Um, but when I was training in a different (sighs) rink, um, with one of the worst coaches, not technically great, great technique, but just very, very emotionally and verbally. There's a lot of coaches like that, unfortunately. Yeah. There's, there's, there's all too many of them. Unfortunately. They're known for their technique and they're known for getting shit done with their skaters, but it comes at a price. It does come at a price. And this, uh, again, not naming names, but this coach, um, had started in Canada and had actually been asked to leave the country, um, due to similar behavior while relocated in Florida and started a training program. And, you know, nobody knew of what had happened in Canada and they they didn't share share that information with the U S skating circuits. Um, and so everyone in that training program, unfortunately learned the hard way, um, and I remember that was the year that Sarah Hughes had won the Olympics and she had that short, like 
Dorothy Hamill haircut. And that was a really big moment in figure skating. It was. And I think that was also Sarah's way of trying to um, present herself in a slightly more mature manner, right? Exactly. She was going at Michelle Kwan. Michelle Kwan had, oh, already, yeah. had already lost to Tara four years <laughs> before. So it was like Michelle was on a mission to yeah. get, get the gold that year. But Sarah had the triple triples and she knew if she could deliver, it might be hers. And so she had that great hairdo and everyone was talking about it. And I decided, I was like, oh, I'm going to cut my hair. <laughs> I'm going to do it. You're right? going to do it. It looks so easy to deal with. I just think that's great. No so, buns? No sewing of the right? hair? No sewing low of the ma- hair. Low maintenance, right? And I was like, this would be great. It'll give me more time to train. I won't even have to spend the five minutes on my hair in the morning yep. getting ready. So I got this very like short, cute little haircut that I loved. And I went into the rink the next day for my training session. And this coach just picked me apart, started picking on me about my hair, called me Brillo Pad. What? I will never forget that. Brillo Pad? Brillo Pad told me I was ugly. Um, just And it went on oh for months. God. It actually went on for months and months and months and months. And this was throughout a, a, a season that we were all training there. And I can only imagine. One of the he, – he, I don't know who overheard it, but one of the parents overheard him calling a bunch of us ugly, right? And – for some reason, they thought it was funny. And so at one point, we had shirts made up for the entire team that said, I skate at, and it had the name of the rink. Right. And I'm ugly. It was, oh it was a white t-shirt with like a blue print that had been screen printed on it. I don't know how we all got them, but they just like showed up at the <laughs> rink, right? And as we went to different competitions throughout the season... And I think this is a way of like lightening the very serious mood in this rink. Yeah. Of like somebody's actually telling me I'm an ugly human. Okay, but we'll we'll create we'll a joke about we'll it. We'll joke about it. We'll we'll try to lighten the mood a little bit. And so we were flying from Florida to Lake Placid, New York for a oh competition God. up in Lake Placid. And I was going through the airport and a random woman came up to me because we were all in our like sweat outfits with our team logo and we had all worn right. our I skate at and I'm ugly and I'm shirts ugly. under it for our travel day oh my and God. some random woman in the airport came up to me and she grabbed my hand and she she said you're not ugly you are so oh beautiful I don't know what that shirt is right <gasps> and I was probably like 11 or 12 and I was like oh it's just a joke and she was like, she like looked me in the eye. I didn't know this woman, like random stranger in an airport. And she goes, it's not funny. You're beautiful. And it was that moment where I was like, oh, this isn't right. Like, this is like, okay. There's there's no part of this situation is okay. Right. That moment that I had with, with my coach literally being called an ogre, when she took a stand and did that, I was like, wow, it's actually not okay to trash talk skaters at 10 years 10 and 11 years old and telling them that they look like shit and that they're ugly and that they're fat no. and that they're not a good skater or a good human. It's not okay. It, it may garner immediate results, right? Because I think people do incredible things when they're backed into a corner and they have to yep. fight their way out. So metaphorically, if you it's kind of like a defense mechanism, it is right. Like if you say to somebody that they're awful or not good or ugly or whatever enough, they will in a in like a survival mode i think try to fight against that and prove them wrong right yep. so i think a lot of coaches do use that uh approach 
um, because it does garner results. But what I have learned, and I've seen it over the course of time in our sport, is those results usually don't last. They no, may, they, they don't. They may get there. They may peak. They may rise to that level. But it is not sustainable because you have right. you have built this house on this broken foundation. Well, let's bring up Gracie Gold. Great example. This is a prime example of what is going on in the current figure skating society. Phenomenal skater when she first started her career. Yeah, beautiful skater. Um, Just such a very, it's going to sound very cookie cutter, prim and proper, but she would just skate with this literal grace on ice that you just didn't really see with every skater. No. and She had that performance aspect. She did. And I think, you know, Gracie fits that round hole, right? She's... Not super tall. She's about five three, five four, I think. Um, has always been very thin, lanky, beautiful, long legs and lines yep. and gorgeous spirals. Um, oh, her spirals. Blonde, right? Like very all-American girl next door. Yep. You know, we th- think back to like the way media handles our sport, oh, right? yeah. It's very marketable is a good word to use. Exactly. And with a name like Gracie Gold. Right. Gracie like, Gold is going for the gold. Yes. I how many headlines? So many headlines. But what was so frustrating to me is that they would tear her apart. Yeah. Because she's a skater who, like a lot of others, would get stage fright. Of course. Especially when you're skating in front of thousands and thousands of people, not to mention the televised yeah. people that you're not even seeing. And when it's televised, you see when somebody really falls hard. Oh, yeah. And that is, I think, the worst feeling in the world. I don't care if I fall in front of a crowd. I care if I fall in front of a TV. (laughs) (laughs) That's valid. It's very valid. There are still programs out there of me on YouTube when I fell. And that's what I hate more. Oh, God. I'm sure there's so many of me. It's ridiculous. There's so many. And so when you're brutally, when you have that, like, brutal mental portion to skating, like, being told by others who you don't even see that you're bad. Yeah. It's going to create a spiral and it's going to be tough to come out of it. Well, and I think, you know, when you and I were young, there wasn't the same social media uh, platforms that there are now. Exactly. Um, But I mean, I think about kids nowadays and I mean, if, if all of my worst skating moments were on some video with people being able to just put comments literally and and also have no responsibility for the words that they're going to put out there yeah that's very very dangerous i truly could not skate competitively in today's society i couldn't i mean i would have to like live in a bunker i think right like just not be part of any of the social media you would have to completely ignore it i think to to do it the right way exactly Um, i give so many props to gracie gold for actually getting out of the sport to really take care of her mental health. A lot of people don't take the time to do that. Oh, yeah. It's looked upon as weakness, you know, and I think that goes into, you know, the more, the, the larger conversation where there is still a stigma on mental health. Um, right. And that's also something I think that elite athletes and their families, especially when they're starting very young in any said sport, um, we train our bodies, right, because they're muscles and we know that repetition and muscle memory will create what we're looking for. Right. Um, but the brain needs to be treated the same way. Exactly. And when I was, when I was training in Colorado Springs, they had a great sports psychologist that our entire team worked with. And if I had not learned some of those tricks and tools from that wonderful psychologist, 
um, I don't think I would have been as successful, right? Like, and you talked yeah. about Gracie, like having those moments of stage fright in a sense, but it's really like a clutch player is kind of the term I use. Um, you know, can you do it when all eyes are on? And it, and it takes well, a very special person to be able to deliver it at that moment. Well, look at what she did in her most recent competition. It broke my heart. It broke my heart. And it was like, she really, we were talking about that. She really wanted to be on the ice. Yeah. She wanted to come back and she went out and skated a short and it wasn't awful. No, I thought it was a great program. I, I thought it was a great way to come back. I, I agree. I truly do. Her choreography was better than it ever has been. There, yeah. were, there were some real strong improvements on different aspects of her skating. But a lot of people weren't looking at that. No, they wanted her to come back and be the old Gracie Gold. And, and no one is ever going to be the way that they used to be. No, and to expect, you know, I don't know how old Gracie is now. I'm sure she's in her 20s. but She's probably our age. But she's yeah, a few years younger. And I think, you know, we the people in her circle seem to want her to look like she looked when she was 16 or 17. Her body has, her body has changed. And rather than she's grown into her adult body, she's a woman. Exactly. And a powerful woman. Yes. But rather than celebrate that, we're, we're trying to, you know, tell her that she has to watch her weight until she looks like she did when she was 16. And that's not okay. No, not okay. And especially I, when we get older and we are more cognizant of our thoughts and everybody else's thoughts too. Absolutely. You know, if, if it'll be interesting to see what happens with her and with this whole journey that she's on. Um, and regardless of what she does in the sport, I think what she has already done by saying, I'm going to step away and I'm going to work on me. And I'm, yes, I do want to come back and I would like that to be something that happens in the future. Right. But she has the opportunity to become a huge advocate for our sport. Yes. um, For other young girls that are in any sort of elite athletics um, to look at that, you know? So I hope regardless of what she does with her skating career, that she really sees like she's been given a voice. And I think right now it's like it's a good time people will listen to what she has to say exactly i will always be a fan of hers whether she is in the sport not in the sport because what she is doing is is very different from a lot of other skaters and actually voicing what skating has done to her a lot of skaters are afraid to do that yeah while there are so many benefits to skating confidence being able to put yourself out there in a way that you can't really do in a lot of other aspects dance and gymnastics also do this They're similar yeah but with skating there is a and same thing with dance too there's this performance element of how you look and being able to be judged based on what you look like not necessarily your skills but what you look like what you look like and that's the part that people don't really talk about and how that can really affect your mental health well we talk about it more with passions yeah you know but we look at athletics and we think that that's different and i don't think all the sports are that different when it's very image based exactly and we used to talk about the rules in skating uh my favorites (laughs) the silly ones to this day are back in the old days if your undergarments were showing aka your bra or your underwear you got points deducted that's a a no-no that was a huge no-no and so we would try and figure out ways around that, building in bras and underwear into skating outfits, into dresses, into unitards, yeah. into leotards, and doing something. You know, parents are also really uncomfortable putting, like, a six-year-old in a thong, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them either. <laughs> That's like, a valid thing to be like. People would go and do that, and I'm like, you're putting your six-year-old into a thong? I mean, yes, it is just a pair of underwear. I get it. But, like, what but is the larger a... message that we're saying exactly. here? Exactly. And there are still some some aspects to the skating world that that will forever be with me. 
I'm very proud to say I am a former figure skater and that figure skating was a huge part of my life and a huge part of my identity, um, both positive and negative. Yeah. And the negative is a little bit more than the positive because it's made me kind of into a different type of adult. I look at things very, very differently. Um, I'm more mindful of my appearance and how I present myself to people because I want to still be in this whole ideal of not like prim and proper, but there's an image I want to give off. You're used to people judging you. Exactly. That's all it is, you know? And when that, that groove is carved, that neuropathway in your brain is carved at such an early age, it's really hard to rewire that. Exactly. And I'm just really figuring out how to rewire it. Yeah, I think, you know, really what it comes down to is you have to define yourself outside of skating or outside of athletics, right? And there's a yep. there's a very healthy balance that one can strike with that, um, but it can also be really hard to find that balance. Yep. And I think when you participate in sports as a child, you you don't work on identifying yourself as a normal everyday kid. Or yep. young adult even, right? You you are constantly working on defining yourself as an athlete. What what am what am I in that realm? Um, and then someday you're not gonna do that anymore, right? Like you yeah. said, you're really proud to say that you're a former figure skater. Um and I think some of us, I think you've done a great job at it. Um oh, but, don't but, boost my but ego. I think we we have to play catch up, right? We we waited a little long to think about like what am I as a human? Yep. Um and there was a, a great article in the New York Times written from a retired skater's perspective. Yes. And the hashtag is really what caught my eye. It said hashtag human first, skater second. Yes. And it just like hit me on such a level because it took me a long time to figure that out, right? Like I am a human first and a skater second. But when you grow up in that bubble, you don't realize it. There's actually a really powerful quote right at the end of the article I wanted to bring up um, that that really resonated with me. And it's the very last couple paragraphs. And it's when she's really judging herself in the mirror of what she looks like. And it says, my body, this is actually from the writer's perspective, actually talking to the skater. Okay. And she goes, my body looks so much like yours does now, I said. I pointed to a mirror across from her bed and she looked at the way our stomachs curved. And she inevitably noticed how our legs stretched across the same length of space. She couldn't argue with me. Do you think I could be smaller, I said. And she said, no, obviously not. And then I said, then you can't hate your body because it looks just like mine. And a lot of skaters don't have that mentality, right? Because we are always comparing ourselves to the next skater. And even in life, we're always comparing ourselves to the next person, And it's important to remember that while there are these different little parts of our body that are going to be different, Mm -hmm. our bodies are the same. They really are. They're not that different. They're really not that different. And once you kind of break that idea down in your head that we're not really that different from the next person, there's a whole new view that you have of yourself and about the others around you. And you feel this sense of belonging. Absolutely. And it's a really hard sense to come to. But once you get there, it becomes a little easier. And just that, right? Being able to recognize our similarities and not our differences, just that way of thinking. If everyone did that in the world, there would be a lot of change. Mindfulness is so powerful. Absolutely. And it is so instrumental to loving ourselves and to our mental health. It is. 
of being mindful of how you react to people, how you react to yourself and how you react to others' reactions of you. Yes. And really thinking before you speak and thinking before you react. And if there's anything that figure skating taught me and your mom also taught me this, <laughs> the very last performance I had before I went into um, the synchronized figure skating in college, it was our last show. And she looked at me and she goes, I want you to get go out on the ice and I want you to be mindful of what's happening. This is the last time that you will have one of your most memorable shows. This is the last time you have to skate around your friends and your family who love you at home at your home ice. Yeah. And you get to do what you do best. And I was skating to Adele and I can't even remember. Rumor has it. It was rumor has it. Yeah, but I remember. I remember. And I remember just her telling me that. And it was actually the very first time I looked in the crowd while I was skating. And I remember looking at my mom and it was such a happy, positive song, but my mom was crying and I started crying while doing the performance. And it was just this really powerful moment of, I never want to forget how this feels because I feel good and I can't forget feeling good on the ice. And a lot of people forget how good it feels to do something you love because we immediately go to what others think of us and, and what others judge us. Yeah. And it's, be mindful of how you feel. Don't be mindful about how anybody else feels. Exactly. Remember what you think because at the end of the day, that's what's most important. It is. The the feeling that you have while, while doing the thing you love and the, that moment right when you finish it, right? Yeah. Before anybody else gets to you. Yeah. It's a sacred moment. Mm-hmm. I had a, had a very smart person tell me that one time that said, when you finish your program – between then and when you skate off the ice. That's the only moment that you have for you, just as the individual who just did that amazing thing. Yeah. To be able to just live in that for a second before the judges weigh in, before your coach, before you go back to the boards and your coach says, good job, not good job. Like Exactly. At the end of the day, if you're happy with you, that's all you can ever hope to attain. Exactly. I think that's a powerful way to end this episode. Aubrey, thank you so much for coming on and guest hosting with thank me. Thank you so much for having me. It's I, been, I love the work that this podcast oh, has been doing. I heart. am just like the biggest fan. I am I know so proud of both you and Sabrina and creating an idea from nothing. So, well, thank you. You rock. Thank you so, so much again for talking about this with me. We've, we've shared so much together and I'm excited for you to share this with us. Oh. I love you guys. And on that note, thank you guys again for tuning into episode 50. Once again, my name is Alyssa. And I'm Aubrey. And thanks for keeping it together with us this week. And we'll see you back next week for episode 51. Keeping it together. I'm sure it's what it takes to stop me going under. Stop the thunder at my door. Oh, yes, it's true.